Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Seaweed Brain. Today, we have something a little special, a little different. We are actually here today re-recording our conversation <laughs> about nine for the nine from the nine. The nine uh, of the nine, nine, ninety-nine, This is the ninth time we've tried to put this episode out. Yeah, we're going to talk about um, Magnus Chase, Thor's uh, marathon ambitions. Thor's farts. A lot of Thor far jokes. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome, y'all. <laughs> if you've been following the saga of us trying to release this episode on social media, you know what? We're here. God's blessed. <laughs> it's great to be here. Before we get started with this most fantastic short story collection from Mr. Riordan, I have some listener shout outs to do, which is something we promised we would do, and I'm sorry it has taken us so long. But thank you, KezVR, for the nice rating, Kendra Perlman for the review, Kevin Bacon469 for the review, Madeline for the review, that's with uh, two L's, three Y's, and three N's, uh, Cassidy Carter at the Little Hype for the rating. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate nice reviews, five-star ratings. I have stolen this bit from my friends who stream on Twitch. And I think we should keep it up. So if you write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, we will give you a shout out. If you want to give us a five-star rating on Spotify and then like send us a screenshot, we will also shout you out for that because we love you guys and we, we appreciate we appreciate the love. Yes. Co-signed by Carter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nine from the nine slash we didn't want to stop talking about Magnus Chase time. And yet it is our own fault that we decided to only do one episode of book. So we're here to wrap up any loose ends and go on this delightful short story journey. I loved these stories. Did you also love these stories, Carter? I had a really good time. They really were so condensed. When they say short stories, they're not joking. They're not playing around. They are short. They are to the point. Just delightful little hits of people who we hadn't seen quite enough of. A little snapshot of their lives. It truly takes place in one day, right? It's one day in each of the nine realms. Each story is told from a different perspective of a character who we don't normally hear from. So there's no Magnus. And we find out in the last story why there's no Magnus and why Magnus isn't telling us any of these stories. And each of them is in a different realm. They all have a different problem to solve. And they all have happy endings. Before we talk about the stories themselves, shall we discuss the elephant in the room, <laughs> which is... The character art that is included in this book, while the stories may be delightful. It is not. It is not hitting. <laughs> I don't think they're all terrible. I believe the worst ones, dishonorable mentions, go out to... Let's, let's pull them up. Let's have visuals as we have this conversation. We will, because this is, of course, a podcast, describe for you in gross detail the images we are physically looking at in front of us. There's a portrait for each of the narrators in this short story collection. So that's Odin, Blitzen, Hearthstone, Sam, TJ, Mallory, Halfborn, and then Alex. Perhaps beginning with the positives. Mallory looks very normal. 
<laughs> normal gal. She's got some knives. Halfborn looks um like that. Yeah. He's uh he's shirtless. He's got a lot of hair. It's giving like Wolverine. It is exactly Wolverine. It is Wolverine, but axes <laughs> instead of finger knives and no other differences. And that's okay because now I know what to envision because literally I had no mental image for this person until this moment. So it's useful. Mallory and Halfborn are also right next to each other. When you like open the book, it's like right in the middle. It's kind of cute. They're both staring at you violently, which is great. Odin, this is fine. Odin Odin is really funny. <laughs> He's wearing like a red polo shirt, which is confusing. And he is buff. The, the hair on the top, is it a flat top? That's what this haircut is called, right? There's like a half inch no of hair idea, across the top of his head. No idea, but that hairline is receding. And the hairline, the hairline is receding. It's receding. It's giving like extreme widow's peak, widow's um mountain, if you will. Yeah, you'd think that the Allfather could invest in some hair plugs, perhaps. <laughs> Or some magic. It does. His shirt does say Odin, Allfather, Owner, and Founder. So that's like a shout out to the fact that he's like a pyramid scheme guy. Yeah. <laughs> Is this how pyramid scheme he's, people dress though? It's. I want to say no. No. Where's his big floppy hat? He looks like. I don't even. I don't even know where to place this. This is kind of what my dad would wear to work, but Odin is really dressed quite different. Like the vibe, obviously, <laughs> the is very polo different. The t-shirt tucked into the pants, <gasps> like the short sleeve shirt. Oh, <laughs> okay. That was the nice stuff. Um, <laughs> that was no complaints yet, but we're gonna begin some complaints now. Starting with Hearth, my answer is no. This image of Hearth is a no. It's not that bad, I guess. It's this not is terrible. Like a medium. Yeah. He looks a little bit nefarious, but not as nefarious as Blitzen, who this is not this is not the character. You know, this is a person. This is a very realized person, this artwork, but this is not Blitzen. He is wearing a bolo tie, right? Terrible. <laughs> we need to really sit with that. Bolo tie this person is known for fashion. And we're supposed to That's think that the fashion thing. is good. You know, our mental image of this character is that this whole time when he's been talking about fashion, he's been right. And I think that there are ways to make a bolo tie right, right? There's yeah. probably many ways to make a bolo tie right, especially well, in like a, perhaps a hipstery, <laughs> perhaps two or three ways to make a bolo tie right. But this is not one of them. He's got it over like a shiny silver vest and a blue turquoise undershirt and what looks to be like a leather or suede blazer. It's just not giving. And Blitzen is always giving. Yeah, the outfit choice does not really make sense. There's like a patterning in the vest that's really throwing me off. It's so swirly and kind of clashing with the other things. But also, like, <laughs> I feel like what is primarily yeah. wrong with this is the face. I just think that his facial expression is not how I would ever picture Blitz as looking. You know, Blitzen is a very kind mentor figure. He is a smart businessman. He is kind of funny. He's like anxious at times, you know? Mm -hmm. And this person who we're seeing in this image looks like a con man yeah. who is here to con you into buying 1,000 bolo ties <laughs> that will never end up at your doorstep, you know? He looks like he's plotting, he's scheming. He's got that like- It is a sly smirk. Yeah, it's like, it just feels as though somebody was given like two pieces of information and then drew this character as opposed to like a fuller idea of who the character really is. You know? It sounds like somebody heard Dwarf and was like, oh, I have preconceived notions about what that looks like in folklore and mythology. That is mm. generic, offbeat trickster. And let me just draw that. 
and off target. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Blitzen isn't really a trickster. He's more of just like somebody who's good at crafts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he kind of played a shark one time, but not really even. He just like did his he thing while somebody to. else sabotaged the competition on his behalf while well, he knew, yeah. but also because we were doing what we had to do to, to survive. Anyway. Moving from Blitzen <laughs> to... Oh, we didn't talk about TJ. TJ is also all right. I'm going to say TJ is TJ, fine. TJ, that um, drawing really makes young. it look like a small child. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that's intentional for the character and forces us to reckon with the, you know, Horrors great of evils of war. Yeah. Shout out to Kurt Vonnegut, um, who would have turned 100 last week. Shout out to him. Shout out also to whoever this woman is <laughs> on top of this horse, because it is not Samira. <laughs> yeah, the drawing of Samira is of like a 45-year-old... Girl boss, to be clear. Like someone so girl who boss. takes no prisoners, excellent posture, real leader, a gaze that is powerful and piercing. Yeah, and also like a little burnt out, which I totally, I totally see. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This person is, I think, 40 something years old. Maybe 40, 40 plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We love warrior women who are 40 plus. Confusing though. Confusing. <laughs> and finally. Worst of all, it is <laughs> the art of Alex Fierro. Now, the other ones are just like offbeat, right? This is like unforgivable. This one is deeply wrong. And wrong in a way where it's like pressing buttons. You know, like this is wrong in a way where you're like, oh, this person does know something about the character and does not like them. And did this perhaps as an act of retribution. <laughs> let, let me not speculate about motivations, but this truly is... A work of evil. I think this is... It, but the thing is, like, it's not 100%... <laughs> Fundamentally evil. It's not 100% wrong. Like, they took... Like you said, the outfit, I think, fits the description. And it kind of makes the some sense. The eyebrows are strong. The hair is right. The hair seems kind of right. It's defiant. The color is right, at least. It is, you know, someone who is perhaps not comfortable and in the mainstream. And also dresses in the way that Alex Fierro is said to dress. What do you think it is? I think it's the neck. It's the posture. It's the posture. It's the arm cross in front of the body. The neck is indeed a mile long, but people can have long necks, you know? That's, it's that's a mile not a long character trait. With, but like at an angle. Like the neck is forward at maybe a 15 degree angle from vertical with the chin still pointed up, even though the neck is at the angle, you know? So it's, the head is disconnected. It's not projecting strength. I don't know what this says about this person. It says confused and um, not in control of the body. Not in control of their body, very uncomfortable, very wary, and just, it's got one hand in the pocket. The other hand is reaching over the belly and grabbing the elbow. Not holding a peace sign. So it looks not only guarded, but yeah, very uncomfortable. And we know that Alex is a guarded person, but I would not go so far as to say that he is shy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's Again, it's difficult to have good and precise language to talk about why this is wrong, because I could imagine Alex having terrible posture. Probably does. But this oh, is... Oh, absolutely terrible posture, especially from hunching over at the kiln and stuff. But you can have terrible wheel. posture and still be frightening and project power, but also project power in a way that is... I don't know, impressive? Because, like, Alex also, like, we know is someone who is physically very capable. Yes, and has serious control over their body, literally as a shapeshifter. And she's not giving this in the picture. Good in battle. Good in battle, confident, maybe doesn't want to talk to you, maybe, but, like, you know, and I think that that's not what I'm seeing. No, and, like, Samira has her spear, TJ has his rifle, Mallory has daggers or knives, Halfborn has axes, and Alex 
has nothing. Alex is maybe at picture day or something. Like, this could be... (laughs) (laughs) Especially with the abstract green background. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Not powerful and almost as bad as Pootsie Jackson. (laughs) Actually, perhaps worse. Perhaps worse. Pootsie Jackson, I think, was... Pootsie was of the time. I could see where they were going with that. Pootsie was 12. (laughs) Well, character art aside, there's also art of all the realms, which is really sweet. Yeah. And beautiful. I would like to have them printed out as like wall prints, you know, and like frame them up in a little row. Absolutely. Especially the one of Alfheim. Alfheim is very beautiful. It is mid-century, gorgeous in nature. It looks like, why am I blanking on the name? Russian architect um, chapel. Oh, Oh, the one who designed... There's this architect who designed some of the buildings at our school. Punaho stands strong. Let's look it up. Vladimir Novikov, I want to say. Okay, that was close. Vladimir Osipov. 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 Anyway, what we're giving here is clean lines, you know, glass striking features, and also, like, really deliberate integration with nature in Alfheim. Light, nice colors. Um, I think Alfheim is really pretty... Um, what is the name I'm thinking of? I'm just staring at images of houses this man has designed now. Wow. <laughs> Nidavellir looks nice. It um, the, the image is lots of neon, but in a very specific way. It's like Spirited Away bathhouse. It's spirited Away, but like... But also Vegas. Spirited Away, but also Vegas, but also like Hong Kong and like Akira or something. I don't know. Pull your references as you as you will. It, it's pretty. It's cool. That one I see the vision for. I was so excited for Vanaheim. We're going to get into that. This picture is kind of not giving to me. It's just grass. Um, but we can get into it. Who doesn't love grass? All right, let's get into it. That was enough stalling and um, hatering. <laughs> <laughs> the through line for these stories is not only that they all take place on one day in different perspectives and different realms, but Thor himself, <laughs> god of thunder, is currently running he's on a jog through the realms trying to get his fitness nut that's spelled k-n-u-t aka like a fitbit to 10 million steps because if he logs 10 million steps on his fitness nut then he will earn a cameo appearance on a midgard television show which at first i was like thor that's so lame and then i was like if i ran 10 million (laughs) steps and somebody gave me a guest contract on a tv show I, too, would be running through the realms, farting up a storm. He is rocking some very, very short leather shorts, which every single person makes a comment about in this story, and farting up chaos all throughout the nine worlds while listening to, quote, unquote, rock. Not rock music. Rock. Like the sounds of rocks hitting each other, presumably. Rock, 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 rock. That's hilarious. That's a good job. If you don't think that's funny, something is wrong with you. That's <laughs> that's solid. That's good old-fashioned humor. That's for everyone. That's for everyone. That's for me. That's for your mom. That's for your children. The first story, Asgard, home of the Aesir. It's called Just Another Decapitated Head by Odin, the Allfather himself. Opens up, some days you are the axe, some days you are the decapitated head. Basically, Odin's issue here is that he needs to find a new head captain for the Valkyries. He wanted to choose Sam, but Sam said, absolutely not. I'm busy. I actually have enough extra credit, so I don't also need to be (laughs) head of the Valkyrie warriors. She's also literally already employed by him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's heading up special missions or something. Yeah. Right away, absolutely unhinged behavior. (laughs) 
This sentence comes straight from the Allfather Odin. The seat cradled my posterior with its ermine-lined softness. That's him sitting on his throne. That's unhinged, Odin. <laughs> Odin's auditioning new Valkyries. Um, mostly it's not going so well. Eventually, um, Utgard Loki uh, comes in and auditions. With a little 16-bar cut of his favorite battle monologue and a little eight-bar choreo of a battle reenactment. Do you want the ballad or the up-tempo first? That's a quote from Smash. Okay. (laughs) Shout out to Megan Hilty. I love you, Mom. Shout out to Megan Hilty. Um, Anyway, basically, Odin's conclusion from all of this is that he needs to go live among the Valkyries in disguise, which is something that... I guess we haven't seen him do this before, but it's the kind of thing that he did a lot in mythology. And also in the first book, as you might remember, he was disguising himself and hiding among the um, Einherji as I'm already blanking on who it was. X. Yeah, like gigantic, capable warrior who didn't talk that much. Yep. And that's the whole story. That's the whole story. Yeah. No matter how hard Rick tries, I am never going to see Odin as anything other than Anthony Hopkins in an eye patch. (laughs) But I do love the way that he does attempt to characterize Odin as this like rugged mix between like an REI guy and also a pyramid scheme guy and also a bit of a cult leader televangelist style. Yeah. There's a lot going on, but ultimately it's just Anthony Hopkins with an iPad. (laughs) He had a take. He had a take. He had a vision. He said, I will try to distinguish this version of the character. And I would say it went okay. Yeah. Um, The second story, moving on to... Midgard, home of the humans. Oh my God, that's us. Tag yourself. <laughs> it's called This Is Why I Hate Clothes Shopping by Amir Fadlan. Can we break down that title real quick? Because I feel like saying clothes shopping is such a sweet teenage boy thing. Like someone who does not understand what a mall is. Yeah. <laughs> clothes shopping. That's like, come on. Like we're going to senior prom. We have to go clothes shopping. You need like a pair of pants and a belt, you know? And that's basically what's happening. Which is pretty much what's happening. (laughs) He needs special event attire. So he heads over to Blitzen's store on Newbury Street. Where he can apparently buy a bolo tie for his special event. Um, Blitzen's not there. Um, There is a trickster lying in wait to try to bind a special magical suit to Amir such that he will basically become a human ATM. And you know... Yeah, like the special magical pants produce magical special money. This is fun because we remember that the last time we saw Amir, his mind had been expanded up at the sit-go sign. He is now completely aware of Sam's whole life, of the realms of magic. So this is like a mortal getting into some shenanigans, which is always fun to see. Like this story could also happen to Paul Blofus, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Basically, Alex appears to rescue slash comfort Amir out of this very scary situation, (laughs) which is also sweet because their relationship is sort of like that of being brothers-in-law, siblings-in-law. And Alex, we can assume, actually is probably fairly close with Amir, given the that she is usually the chaperone for Amir and Sam's outings. Yeah. Here's a little reading from page 29. Stan is the name of the trickster who was lying in wait. What tipped you off about Stan? I mean, I asked. A couple of things, Alex replied. He referred to Blitzen as the dwarf and claimed you hadn't been in. Knowing how terrified you are of Sam, I am not. 
I thought it was unlikely you'd skip the shopping spree. So I tested his story, called your phone. When I heard my ringtone, I knew he was lying about you being here. But the biggest clue? He refused to sell me anything. I mean, come on. He gestured to his pink cashmere sweater vest and tight lime green pants. A real clothing salesman would have seen dollar signs the minute I walked into the store. He nudged the gold coins with his rose-colored boot. But I guess he had all the money he needed. And more where that came from. I shuddered. He was going to use me as his own private ATM. Forever. Dude. Alex laid a comforting hand on my shoulder. That would have sucked. <laughs> Good for them. Delightful. Delightful, cute. We love a mirror. All right. Sam also shows up at the end, pokes some fun at him in a very Annabethian way. Yeah. I don't think the story has that much to say about fashion, which seems to be a recurring <laughs> deficiency, wouldn't you know it? In the Carter, way that you it should is... tell them about fashion. You should have something to say. You should let them know. You should say it to us. What do you have to say about fashion? Everybody, Carter is currently wearing a white button-down t-shirt and a, what is it, a pink striped tie. Wait, you are so not one to call out Alex Fierro right now. Alex Fierro would not wear this outfit. First of all, like... Alex Fierro would 100% wear that outfit. That's so disrespectful. Every outfit that Alex has described as wearing sounds revolting, including the one that you just described, which he used as justification for um, being a fashion icon or whatever. I don't know. I'm not here for it. I know in my heart you're not wearing lime green pants, but if you were wearing lime green pants, that would be a 100% hands down Alex Fierro outfit. We're going to move on. We're going to move Carter this really along. Upset with me. <laughs> um, the next story is Blitzen in um, Nidavellir. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This is about the point where I, in my reading of it, I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder what narration we're going to be set up for. Like, is the implication that we're going to have basically the most famous resident of each realm and the previous stories tell it? A little unclear. But this story is incredibly short. Blitzen gets chased into a bar to have a meeting with, why am I blanking on his name? The severed head god who used to employ him in heart. Mimir. Yes. Um, and Blitzen's given a job, which is to go prevent someone from killing Thor as Thor comes through on his jog through this realm, but also to do so without Thor finding out. And Blitzen goes home, thinks about it, and basically makes a miniature version of Hearth's tanning bed the tanning bed for Hearth, which is in Blitzen's home um, for when Hearth sleeps over. I'm trying to find the quote. <laughs> oh, I have it pulled up. Can you read from the text, please, about his friend Hearth's tanning bed, please? I searched the room for inspiration. I picked up and expand a duck, my handcrafted metal figurine that thwarted enemies by growing to immense size and crushing them. Would it solve my problem with Alvis, though? I didn't think so. Still holding the duck, my gaze landed on Hearthstone's tanning bed. My elf friend used its simulated sunlight to keep him healthy when he came to visit. I looked from the dock to the bed and back again. Suddenly the wheels in my brain began turning. Rick chose disrespect when writing this. I'm sorry. <laughs> my elf friend, please. On one hand, yes, disrespectful. On the other hand, this so gives, like, I know that Blitzen and Hearth aren't actually that old. I don't know why I see them as being so old in my head. Because they are, like, older than Magnus and Alex and stuff. But, like, this really gives, call it Meryl Streep in the hours. Like, you know, like, an older generation of queer like people. Like Frog and Toad. Who just have different language. 
Frog and Toad, Timon Bird and Ernie. Yeah. We've been over this. They're friends. They're roommates. Larry the Tomato and the Cucumber, you know? Going to hell anyway, so. Going to hell. Um, <laughs> veggie, that was a VeggieTales reference. Woo. <laughs> they would not say my boyfriend or my partner because that could put them in an unsafe situation. So they say my friend and his tanning bed. When he came to visit. This language also, saying visit, yeah. but also saying I have a permanent place for him to to sleep for the times that he comes to visit is it called a visit if they visit, have their own bed brush is right next in to mine. your home is it a visit if you're kissing okay <laughs> <laughs> anyway blitz does it he you know shines his light incapacitates the opponent we're golden next story is hearth Alfheim. they are juxtaposed against each other because Blitz and Hearth are juxtaposed against each other in the bed in Blitzen's home. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Physically juxtaposed... juxtaposed against each other. <laughs> you mean the story comes right after? Yes, yes. The other. They they are in succession. Great. Story three and story four paired together. Yeah, it's called Speaking of Trolls. This one's a little bit of a moment. I yeah. definitely Heavy. was thrown slightly off guard, slightly Utgard Loki by this story. <laughs> it's a little long. Longer. It's not actually long. And it begins with Hearth and TJ, right? Practicing this new magic technique whereby Hearth can produce, not from his mouth or anything, but like from the ether, using magic, produce words. Like audio, language, communication through magic. Yeah, and Hearth basically wants to create this spell or start using this magic because... As we'll remember, he and Blitz are sort of like both welcome in Valhalla now. And while everybody who is close to Hearth understands and can use sign language, most people in Valhalla apparently can't or don't. So Hearth is like developing this magic as a way of, you know, being able to communicate with people in Valhalla, which I feel like threw me off just because I feel like Rick went to such great lengths in the Magnus Chase trilogy to demonstrate the work that other people should put in in order to understand Hearth and not vice versa. Yeah, yes. There's certainly a worse way this story could have gone in which Hearth uses magic to actually talk, which is not at all what happens. He uses magic to, like, create sounds external of himself. Yeah. But it still is, like, disconcerting, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a little concerning. And the way that the story plays out is that he gets called to help Inga, who has been basically kidnapped by a troll. And the way that he defeats the troll is by using his newfound speech production magic to say the troll's name. Because this is, I guess, how the magic system works. That if you can speak the name of a troll, you can severely incapacitate them. So Hearth, you know, gets the troll to say his own name because he assumes that Hearth won't be able to produce the sounds because he is deaf. I feel like... It just maybe wasn't necessary that there could have been another way to tell Hearth's story without bringing this factor into it. I don't know, you know? Yeah, the trilogy was full of delightful moments. And later in the story, when Thor ends up rolling through, you might remember there's like a running joke <laughs> about how many ways Hearth, you know, is able to poke fun at people who don't know ASL and also like are hearing, but also like because of that, are overconfident their worldview or like you know <laughs> like making silly mistakes people being silly and ignorant silly and ignorant and rude 
And um, there have been so many good, interesting stories of Hearth just being a person who has a disability and is able to exploit the fact that he knows things and has experiences that other people do not have and also exploit the fact that other people are silly and ignorant and rude. And um, I think we could have had another one of those here and we mostly did. The other thing we have to discuss about this story is the Inga and Hearthstone of it all. Oh. Because I don't know what Rick is on. I don't know what <sighs> listeners, what you believe, but I know one thing to be true, which is that this is a platonic friendship. It is a platonic friendship. They are besties. They're childhood friends. Like, they're kind of like siblings. They grew up together. They suffered in the same household. They trauma bonded. They're like cousins. She was also like kind of employed by heart. It's like a relationship that is complex and close, but also like there are any number of reasons why we would not construe it as romantic. Or I feel like we should not try to. Hearthstone certainly does not have a tanning bed at Inga's house. Sure does not. I think we I, I, I think we know what the answer is. I don't know. Rick seems to be all over the map. You know, he wrote them the way he did. It's you a know, real these, Richard moment. These feel like <laughs> Richard knew what he was doing <laughs> when he wrote the three <laughs> books, and he knew what he was doing when he wrote the overwhelming majority of these stories. And yet the last line of Hearth's story is, quote, but I suspect Inga's smiling face had something to do with it. What? That's confusing. That doesn't make sense. I'm sure Hearth does enjoy her smiling face, but that's a weird <laughs> way to end the story. And like, what are you trying to imply, but also not imply, but also imply other things? I just feel like he has wrote like that line. I would cut it. I would cut it. I don't think it belongs here. <laughs> um, editing. Editing by Carter. Uh, <laughs> okay. That is the last line. So the next story is Jotunheim, home of the giants for my eighth grade physics actually comes in handy by Samira Olivas. Oh, <laughs> my takeaway from the story as I was reading it, I was just like, you know how we are always, especially Carter, you are always being like, I could read a book full of Reina just helping people solve their problems yes. a day in Reina's life. I want the Reina exactly Oprah show book. Is. I want the Reina brunch book. I want the Reina small logistical challenges book. This is a this small, is the small logistical, logistical challenge. challenge. <laughs> Which Samira easily overcomes. She has to go to Jotunheim to snap a pic of an egg that if something hatches out of it, then it will start Ragnarok because that's how everything happens in Norse mythology. <laughs> Just events surrounding, you know, the start of Ragnarok. But she has all these caveats about things she can and cannot do when she gets down there. And she ends up using a pulley system that she pulls out of her memory bank from eighth grade to help her snap this picture. Period. Easy peasy. Really? There was no conflict. There was a problem. There's a solution. Short and sweet. I love it. She doesn't have to talk to anyone besides Odin, you know? Yeah. And physics is useful. <laughs> but not every single day is the end of their lives, you know? And that's nice. That's, that's what these stories beautiful. Really tell us. This is probably what her day-to-day -day actually is. It's her going to school, acquiring knowledge, going to her extracurriculars, using that knowledge. You know, maybe she's only getting seven or six hours of sleep, but like, you know, for the most part, she's like, she's thriving. She's doing everything she needs to be doing. She definitely is that person who does everything and still gets eight hours of sleep. <laughs> like maybe seven and a half if we're pushing it. Because she also her. values her health. She does. She needs to be physically fed to do her extracurricular activities like... Yeah, she's an athlete. Potentially killing giants. Killing giants, rescuing unsuspecting undead Valhalla warriors, you know? Yeah. Shout out to those girlies. They existed in high school. We were not them. I was <laughs> not them. But there were the people we knew who were constantly succeeding at everything 
and also sleeping. I think it's because they were, um, how would you say? Not watching Netflix at night? Uh, emotionally stable. Um, oh, um, they weren't rewatching Perks of Being a Wallflower at 1am on no, a Thursday? No, I think that they, um, <laughs> they had um, responsible media consumption habits and very correlated with that um, were healthy people. Younger siblings? Oh, mm. Mm. you know, so many factors. I'm sleeping now. Yes, you are. Shout out to that. I still dream of being 5'7". <laughs> I mostly am. Not this week. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like 90% sleeping and living the sleep life of my dreams. And then like 10% being like, oh, I mean, my boss asked for all these things tomorrow. So I guess we'll go to bed at three. That's how it goes. If a seaweed brain episode comes out on time, that's how you know I'm not sleeping. If a seaweed brain episode comes out three and a half weeks late, that's how you know I'm taking care of myself. <laughs> There we go. Moving right along to Helheim. To if we thought that the Hearthstone story was slightly off balance, oh what my on God. earth is happening to our poor son, TJ Thomas Jefferson Jr.? This is Home of Hell and the Dishonorable Dead. The story is called Nice Doggy. We just got done saying not every day is the end of their lives for these kids, these people. They can just solve problems and go on about their day. They have happy endings in these stories. TJ. His mother gets kidnapped. I don't even know if this is a happy ending, actually. No. The ghost of his mom's soul, which is in hell, because mm -hmm. that's where everybody is, she gets kidnapped and held as ransom so that hell herself can get TJ to basically run an errand for her. Yeah. Which is kind of the plot of The Lightning Thief. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning Thief in, what, 10 pages? Yeah. How did we wedge this in more trauma for TJ? Cannot catch kid? a break. Yeah, it's kind of a ridiculous tonal shift as well. The, the task specifically is finding the Hound of Hell, which I guess maybe is fun. And the way that he does it is by using um, <laughs> Boulder's mistletoe. There's like, a, this story is like very rich, actually. Um, So um, there, there's like a few cool mythological notes. This is the I first and only time that we meet Hell, the goddess of Helheim. Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett, but actually. So like Kate Blanchett is like a cool character who is named Hell because that is the name of an important Norse goddess. Hella. But Hela. I mean, she, they were called both things interchangeably, but that character is not even a little bit connected to Norse mythology other than the fact that like Hell was the person who did run the underworld and had, you know, control of all the souls of people who didn't go to Valhalla. But like everything else biographically was wrong. Like Hel Hela is supposed to be Loki's kid as opposed to Odin's eldest child. And like there's a lot of visual descriptions in this story that are consistent with Norse mythology that are not consistent with Cate Blanchett because they just had like, they just had a very specific vision for her where they were like, she needs to have a giant crown of antler thorns and yes. um, also use those as daggers. Oh, she did. She did use them as daggers. It looked cool. But anyway, all of which is to say, like, the there's a very striking, terrifying visual description of Hela or Hell in Nine for the Nine, which is consistent with North mythology, which is that she, like, is divided half-half. One half of her body and face is conventionally gorgeous, but, like, in a kind of frightening, cold, aloof way, kind of like Kate Blanchett in some of her movies. And then the other half is... Kate Blanchett in real life all the time. <laughs> Listeners, y'all know, say it with me, Kate Blanchett scares the shit out of me. <laughs> she's very frightening, but I think Kate Blanchett has... She can do warmth. She's funny. Like, do you remember when she was, like, uh, like a she's biker hilarious. lesbian in Ocean's A? I don't think that's inconsistent she with Kate Blanchett as a person. She is so good at that movie. <laughs> 
so like yeah, half half is hauntingly icy, beautiful, aloof, pale, whatever, and then the other half is rotting, necrotic corpse, which is cool. Striking image. Death probably should look like that, I guess. That's one of the things that gets mentioned. And we also get this huge, long aside into the mythology of Baldur, who was this Norse god, one of the princes of Asgard, which is, say, a child of Odin and Frigg. Mallory's mom. Exactly, yes. This is kind of like Frigg's defining story, too, which is that, like, Baldur was fated to die, and Frigg got freaked out and went around the realms asking all of the objects and beings and everything to agree to never harm Baldur. And they all swore that they wouldn't. And so people in Asgard would take turns like throwing shit at Baldur and watching these things not kill him. But then Loki was like, this is irritating. So he went and found the one being in the universe that did not promise, which was mistletoe. He fashions it into a dart and then gives it to Hodor, I believe, who is a blind god, doesn't understand what's going on, but wants to participate and, you know, kills Baldur with this and that sort of is like the very very early beginnings of ragnarok this is why loki gets chained to the rock with the kid guts holding him there and the serpent venom dripping down onto him the kid guts. <laughs> um and, and i think it's like one of the earliest moments in norse mythology where we really do feel like oh this is different from greek mythology because like really important gods in the pantheon who are like young and new and hip and part of our current in charge set of deities die and like go to hell with everybody else all of which is to say Baldur is helping TJ with the quest. Specifically, he's like, my mistletoe is like a part of me now. And also mistletoe like makes dogs vomit. So TJ's like, I'm going to borrow that from you. That's a fact. Knowing that it'll reappear in your hand guts. I, I'm a little unclear on the exact magical logistics, but he feeds mistletoe to the dog. It gets sick. And then he like lugs this vomiting dog back to the palace. And Hell is like, maybe, okay, I guess today I will not torture your mother forever. And TJ's like, oh. All in a good day's work. Okay. And also maybe I'll let you see your mom again sometime because we can't give him a break. We cannot give we cannot. this kid a break. <sighs> we have talked about this before. TJ, there is a lot to his character. He's a scholar. He has many degrees. Part of the way that he has spent his time in Valhalla is by studying and researching and learning so many things. This story did not have to go like this. <laughs> Why wasn't the story like, oh, Hell needs academic consulting on where Hellhounds go when they get lost or something? And she just like, you know, I did actually do my fifth doctoral thesis on that. Let's go on an adventure to track it down together or something. You know, like, I or he can like pull a book out of the rare and restricted section and open it up and it like magically transports him to Hell. And oh, then he simply fun. has to find a way back. That's which is fun. literally what happens in Mallory's story. <laughs> I will say, okay, Mallory's story, they're all short. They're all kind of silly. Mallory's story is really like, what? Is this a story? Does this have a beginning, middle, and an end? Not necessarily in that order. This story, <laughs> this is the next story. We're in Niflheim, the world of ice, fog, and mist. It's called Sows Your Face by Mallory Keene. And it is basically just seven pages of what I find to be the scariest part of Monsters, Inc. Oh, that's a reference. Period. The scariest part, she, obviously, being the snow cone land. The endless void of nothingness, which you cannot escape. Terrifying. She is, like, fighting with Halfborn, um, who we'll talk to soon. And she just opens up a random door. And apparently, sometimes when you open up a random door, it's kind of like the sanctum, like Doctor Strange, where it'll mm. just transport you somewhere. And so she ends up or just kind of being like Monsters transported. Inc. Yes. Or like Monsters, Inc. Scares 
the crap out of me. Monsters Inc. and Kate Blanchett are the only two things I fear in this world. Fear more than that. Are you kidding? <laughs> two very important things to fear though. Monsters Inc. I do feel like I like they're in very quick succession. As a child, I watched Monsters Inc. and Spirited Away, and both of them I was like, whoa. Um, mm. what is going on? Being a like small, maybe Asian child with a bob is like super dangerous, I guess. <laughs> Wait, that's so true. She was a small, maybe Asian child. <laughs> Knowing Pixar and like the year, which was like maybe 2002 or something, probably she was supposed to be like adopted from China or something. But, um, oh, well, I've never thought about this. Expanding the mind. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> two frightening movies, a very frightening occurrence. Mallory gets trapped in this cold land, which, as you might remember, in the final book. Ship of the Dead. Everybody almost dies, just like literally walking through Niflheim, which is where she is now. The only thing that is saving her is, you know it, listeners, we were waiting. It's Thor's farts. It's Thor's farts, everyone. Come Check on. Chekhov's Thor's farts Give it up. are. are... Chekhov's Thor's farts. <laughs> <laughs> heat a path they're ready and they're waiting they literally global warming niflheim (laughs) the methane gases from thor's farts are single-handedly creating a hole in the ozone layer but also helping mallory keen escape niflheim she's following their warmth she gets all the way to the world tree yes and we know all about Ratatosk, the squirrel <laughs> that lives in the world tree. But there is also a dragon curled up at the base, right? Yes. Gnawing at the roots, poison, and also in a long distance rivalry with, is it an eagle? There's a bird at the top I of the tree. I want to say eagle. And they pass each other insults through Ratatosk. Ratatosk. Which does sound like a Kanto Pokemon. <laughs> and they're just playing an eons long game of telephone until eventually the dragon succeeds and eats all the roots of the tree and it falls over and the world ends. But the dragon needs help because the dragon is not slayful. The dragon does not know how to read. <laughs> the dragon does not know how to shade. Mallory Keen is trying to get into the world tree so she can get back home. So she tells the dragon that she will teach it how to read that eagle for filth. And then the dragon can let Mallory, go back to Valhalla. And listener, does Mallory know how to read? No, she does not. Mallory, like she has hatred in her heart, which is important. You know, that's a necessary prerequisite. She is a true hater. But like, I would say not a particular articulate or clever hater. You know, like not necessarily. Haters come in all shapes and sizes. Yeah, we need to save room at the table for our less observant, less precise sisters. Yes. Of which Mallory perhaps is one. Uh, but she does give uh, some new techniques, would you say? Um, some new forms of insults. Yes, that the, the dragon titular form of the story is sows your face. It works. And frankly, I think what we do have to talk about is the fact that we have said Mallory is not like the most shadeful queen, but also she just sat back while the fate of the world, while the fate of Ragnarok rested on Magnus being the one to challenge Loki in a flighting. She could not have stepped up. Curious. Curious, curious. I mean, there are a lot of good haters in this in these books. Anyway, one other thing about this story is that Mallory, before Thor's farts melt her way back <laughs> home, she puts on a like magical coat that she said was designed by both Blitzen and Hearth. It is both stylish and keeps her warm with magic. And let's just shout out the fact that not only are they roommates, they are also professional collaborators collaborators um companions jim and pam dare we say 
partners. Oh, oh, except not because literally. Um, except not because Jim that does not makes respect Pam. Um, <laughs> but I feel like some listeners will really appreciate that. <laughs> Just because they're in the same workplace. Yeah, it's 2022. I was, I, okay, you know, Janine has not gotten her new man yet. Oh my God, Janine and Gregory. It's Janine and Gregory. But let us aspire higher. Let us dream big. Oh my God. That man gardens. Okay. That man gardens. He knows how to rake. <laughs> he gardens in secret and doesn't even eat the food and doesn't. Oh my God. He, he only said, eats I'm going to let Barbara and, and Jacob chicken. have this one. Oh my God. Abbott Elementary, everyone. Stream it now. <laughs> New episodes every Wednesday night. There's a new episode tonight. Oh my god, yay! I'm okay. so excited to watch in the office tomorrow after my meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along to Vanaheim, home of the Vanier, for well, that was a surprise by Halfborn Gunderson. All there really is to say about this story is that we could have been frolicking with the gay hippies in the gay hippies this the, realm. Like, magical god elves, the nature hoes, the spirits of springtime. The cherry blossoms, and yet half-born Gunderson has to walk in and toxically masculine up this whole realm by murdering all of their dragons and saying, it's okay, they'll just come back to life as baby dragons. This was so needlessly violent. Half-born Gunderson is trying to do a collage, which I guess the humor of which is that toxically masculine men kind of like one thing that is not stereotypically... I'm going to murder my family masculine and we're supposed to <laughs> congratulate them and Good gasp job, and pat them on the back. You can do one craft. Have we all seen this thing that is going around right now of like guys on TikTok being like, oh my God, I'm a man and I listen to Taylor Swift. Wow. It's like, I'm a man, but I've read Colleen Hoover. Oh my God. There's a lot like, of that right now. There's so much of that. And it's like, as, as though it should be new or innovative to us that men are emotionally manipulative people who really want to be in relationships desperately and cannot emotionally care for themselves without them. Like, that's not new information. But anyway, um, Half-Born Gunderson Me too, is... but men more. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Half-Born Gunderson also hates on vegans in this story. So let's cancel him. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for some like casual vegan haterism, but I think that Halfborn really is mistaken here when he thinks that you have to eat animal protein in order to be a ripped berserker fighter. You do not have to consume animal protein to literally your muscle mass or live a healthy life. Sure don't. This would be a great time for an Athletic Greens ad, but that campaign is over. <laughs> So he wants to make a collage, and the specific color that he wants is the color of these dragons. He rolls into Vanaheim. He's going to do his thing, and someone stops it. He's like, where are the dragons for me to murder one? And they stop, and they're like, you you literally, why? Um, just, just take one off. They're asleep. We all do it. No one cares. This is very simple. And he goes in and wastes them up and then kills all of them uh, quickly. And wow. Displeasing. This was incredibly not the vibe I was looking for. No. Violent. Half-born. Why? Rude. Why? To what end? I get it. He's a berserker fighter. <laughs> it's like the violence in the series is so funny until it's not. Until you're like, wait a second. Berserker fighters were very frightening and probably not to be um, glorified <laughs> in literature. I was always frightened of him. And I was like, I don't. From the get-go, it's like, I do not feel like a story is going to go well. Can I do a drop a wreck here? I've been reading this book called Shapeshifters, A History by John Kachuba. And there's a lot of information about 
specifically berserker fighters in there um, oh. because they did believe that they underwent a transformation into bears or wolves when they were in their frenzied state. It's a fascinating book. Lots of information about werewolves and cannibalism. Looking forward to Bones and All this weekend. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. Which is also a book. YA book. Okay. Do we have to say anything else about Vanaheim? Can we just go to Misspelheim? He he makes his collage. He doesn't give it yet because Alex is also in on it. And that's the next story. Yeah. We're wrapping up with Alex Fierro in Muspelheim, which is the land of fire. It is where Cert is from. Cert of killing Magnus fame. On the Longfellow Bridge. On the Longfellow Bridge of Wakanda Forever fame. Shout out to Wakanda Forever. Shout out to the military at MIT. Where are we... Um. <laughs> uh, this story is called I Play With Fire by Alex Fierro. And this is where we find out that apparently Magnus is away. That's why he hasn't been in any of these stories because he is visiting Annabeth for undisclosed reasons. And Annabeth specifically told him not to bring his sword. He doesn't need it. So my thought was, is he there for a funeral? Funeral. But Which I don't know that that he makes is sense not. timeline wise. Yeah. Like Annabeth is not at Jason's funeral. No one is at Jason's funeral at camp jupiter but maybe they're having some kind of gathering annabeth wanted him there for emotional support i don't know mm-hmm. i'm fairly certain magnus does not make a cameo in the tower of nero right i do not believe so yeah so we I don't think we actually heard know about that. what magnus is up to who we do hear from is sumer brander government name time uh the sword of the summer <laughs> <laughs> Jack. the sword of the summer This story brings us some extremely important information, which is that apparently the way that Jack communicates with other weapons, the way Jack has been continuously communicating, for example, with Riptide since their fateful meeting and communicates also with Alex's garrote is through the underground weapons network, which we must assume is a pocket dimension in which all of the weapons get together and telepathically communicate, hang out, spill tea, share gossip, etc. Yeah. Which does bring to mind the all-important question, has Jack met the Arrow of Dodona? Oh, I don't know. I can't imagine Jack actually has game. You know, like the... Yeah. <laughs> Jack is delightful and talks big game, but Jack actually has no game. Yeah. Jack is probably really shy. Jack is that queen who has all the information because they listen. They're very outspoken with Magnus and Alex, but in a group of people, they're actually probably pretty quiet. In a group of weapons, that is. In a group of weapons in the <laughs> underground weapons ring pocket dimension. Jack gets information from the garrote, actually. Alex's garrote, which also, like, wow, we have not heard anything about that relationship until this point. That's so interesting. Yeah, what's going on there? There's a rumor that Cert is, like, holding a meeting and it's bad. This setup is really giving a major monogram. Yes. In the sense of Jack has no information. He's just like, I heard that Cert... Cert is up to no good. Cert, who, um, you know, we all know to be bad and constantly doing bad things, is today doing a slightly different bad thing. So why don't you go find out? We're going to send you to investigate. Agent P. Um, and so Alex does go to investigate. Cert is holding a recruitment meeting. A bunch of minor gods that he's trying to get to switch sides before Ragnarok. And Alex does some fun shape-shifting magic to... Come on, trickstery. Delightful, trick-stery delightful, delightful. it up. Literally, it into this a bunch is of different classic bugs. trickster when you whisper in their ears little worries and discontents. Ooh, that's history. 
that's, that's folklore and mythology. Constantly changing different kinds of bugs in order to throw cert off of your scent. It's great. Alex pretty much has the situation under control, but I think at one point forgets to switch to another bug fast enough and alerts cert to his presence and then decides to just go ahead and fight cert right here, right now cuts off the nose that was growing back that Magnus previously cut off and has cert pretty much, you know, down on his knees, but has nothing to tie cert back up with has no magical rope, which is when all of our friends from the previous stories come charging, except for Odin, um, come charging <laughs> in to Muspelheim, and they're like, oh, Alex, uh, we thought you needed some help, but looks like you got it all covered. And Alex is like, actually, can someone toss me a rope? And the laugh track goes, <laughs> and we go, the power of friendship. And that's the end of the story collection. Well, Yay. there's actually a little tag. Thor um, has not been tracking his steps this whole time. So you'll have to do it again tomorrow. We'll have to do it all over again. And isn't that the meaning of life? That, wow. To know how it ends and still begin to sing it again. That's Sisyphus. That's Hadestown. That's Phineas and Ferb. That's, exact, that's a direct quote that's... from Hadestown. <laughs> that is also a direct quote from Phineas and Ferb. The two greatest artworks <laughs> of our contemporary age. Wow. Any final thoughts? I feel like the first time I read through this, I was like, I don't know if I feel satiated in my Magnus Chase world, character, everything. But after having this specific conversation, which, again, listeners, is we have now the had second twice. time we've had it. <laughs> I feel like I've had it 15 times. <laughs> I feel good about it now. Yeah. We did what yeah, we had to do. I feel like... Magnus Chase, the world of the gods of Asgard is such a different vibe from Percy Jackson and all of that in that we could really pop in to these realms at any point and this shit would just be going down. Like all of this pre-Ragnarok shenanigans on all sides. Yeah. The stakes would be the end of the world and yet they would also be non-existent because the stakes are non-existent <laughs> in these stories. And it's just a good fun time. We trust them. I feel like I really do trust our friends in the Magnus Chase world. And I feel like they're so capable and they're doing such good things. I feel like our friends in the Pootsie Jackson world are constantly <laughs> suffering and like hanging on by a thread. You know what I mean? <laughs> I worry about them. I need to hear from them. And yeah, we will be hearing yeah. from regular them. Regular check-ins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Magnus Chase and gang are self-sustaining. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I think that's all we've got. Thank you all for joining us. Yeah. It's been real. It's been a fun, delightful diversion. I look forward to talking about more, perhaps Norse mythology in the future. There may be some fun plans for a winter solstice Thor Love and Thunder watch coming up, just like we did last year, do a little fundraiser event. So stay tuned for some info on that. We can all watch Love and Thunder together and we'll violently fight about whether or not the movie was good. Um <laughs> Is there contention in the Discord? Oh my. There is. You Carter wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we will see you guys next week for some more Tyrant's Tomb. Bye all. Bye.